I want to talk to you tonight about the presence of God. We're in a series right now called Consecration. Consecration. And tonight I want to talk, thank you. I want to talk to you about the presence of God. The audience of one. Only one. That's what's really important. The 24 day fast that we're on, if you're, if you don't know, if you're new, you don't know about that. It began on January 2nd. It goes through the 26th as we go into the sound. And if you haven't joined the fast, please join. A gentleman, I hear this quite often. I don't know what to do, Jay. I don't know what to do. It's simple. Don't eat. <laughs> don't eat and seek God. Or eat less. Or eat different. Or eat Daniel. Or everyone say sacrifice. Consecration means set apart. It means separate. And that's what we're talking about. When I say fast, you know what I'm really saying? Hunger for the presence of God. Hunger for the presence of God. Gee, I've never fasted before. Hey, try it. I remember the first fast I ever did. I literally thought, I had all these medical things that I thought was going to, I'm going to get, you know, low blood sugar and I'm, yeah, I'm going to die. And I go with all these guys, a bunch of guys, and all we're doing is drinking lemon water. And it's like, wow, I don't know what's going to happen. And I, I just was really freaked out. And it's, it's all good. It's wonderful. Probably the most healthy thing you possibly can do. Better than all your herbs, spices, and all your vitamins and all that. It's amazing what God does in the area of fasting. I, I challenged you last week in the area of comfort. Remember? We like our comfy chair, comfy shoes, comfy sofa, comfy vacate. We like a comfy workout. We like everything comfortable. We like comfort... Uh, a comfort control zone in our car. We like cruise control on our car. And all that stuff can get you in trouble if all you're doing is comfort and cruising. There's a part of the Bible that talks about a wine worker and those uh, settling on their dregs and leaks, allowing nothing to change. And God sent wine workers and broke their bottles. And God wants to change every one of us. Unless you're exactly like Jesus, he wants to change you. And if you are, introduce yourself because I haven't met someone yet. I want to talk to you about the presence of God. First of all, we're going to begin with three presents tonight. Three presents of God. The first one is omnipresence. Say that with me, omnipresence. It's easy. He's anywhere and he's everywhere. He's right here. He's in Afghanistan, Tajikistan. Come on, somebody. He's anywhere and everywhere. He's in Iran, Syria. He's in Egypt. He's in Israel. He's right here. He's omnipresent. Go to the mountain. He's there. In your shower, he's there. In the, your car, he's there. Somebody say omnipresent. Jer Jeremiah 23, 24 says, can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him? says the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord, omnipresence. Yeah. 
And then you have the principal presence of God. What is the principal presence of God? Where two or more gathered, he's there. Are you with me tonight, church? Go with me. You got to go with me, okay? Might be cold outside. It's not cold in here. Come on. <laughs> Say it with me, principal presence. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm here in the midst of them. The mist is, the mist is in the middle of them, a middle of among them, where you gather in his name, just two people or more, he's there. That's the principal presence of God. And then you have this thing called the manifest presence of God. Say that with me, manifest. 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 It's like, wow. Whoo, God, wow, he's here. Wow. It's like, he's in the house. He's here. Manifest. Genesis 3, 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence. Say that with me, from the presence. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. That's manifested presence. Among the trees in the garden. One of my favorite scriptures in this whole area a manifestation of the presence of God is Psalms 22, 3. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Enthroned, that means to set down. God, he comes and he sets among us the manifested presence of God. We're going to talk a lot about that tonight. I want to talk to you about encountering the manifested presence of God. I've, I've encountered the manifested presence of God uh, many times in my life. In, 19, in the 1990s, I remember being in a church service where we were youth pastors at Capitol Christian Center back in the day. And all of a sudden, the presence of God hit me in a dramatic way, and I began to weep. I wept through the first service. I went behind the stage and wept through the between gatherings. I wept through the second service. I went home and I think I wept through football. And I remember sitting in the backyard by myself, still weeping. And then the Lord spoke to me. I'm removing the fear of man out of your life. And I've never been the same again. You really don't know how much the fear of man you have in you until you don't have it any longer. It's like, it's like the presence of God just ripped it out of my life. And then there, in the kind of mid-1990s, uh, 93, 94, me and two pastor friends went to Toronto, Canada. And it was called the renewal, just a move of God. Anybody remember the renewal? If you do, raise your hand. I'm getting old. Gosh. <laughs> Two of the oldest people in here only remembers it. Wow. Not that you're old, but you know, you just walked into the renewal, Toronto. Huge, thousands of people walked in. Two pastors behind me, as soon as we walked in, it was like the glory of God. And I turned, I began to weep. I turned around and I says, do you feel that? Do you, I should have said, do you feel him? And I did. I said, do you feel it? And they're both weeping. 
And just the prep, we stayed there for a week, just soaking in the presence of God. Can somebody say more? You knew exactly what that meant if you were in the renewal. Late in the, the 80s, uh, we were at Gospel Outreach, and I remember standing in the back of the church, just convulsions because of the manifested presence of God. Just I couldn't even hardly breathe. I remember the pastor walking by me, and he didn't even know what to do with me. He's just like, just the presence of God. Also in the 90s, Radine and I went to Detroit, Michigan, Motown. We were there for Kim Clement prophetic gatherings, and we, we walked in, Radine and I and another wonderful sister, we walked in and we sat there, nothing's began yet, and all of a sudden there's thundering, thundering in this church. I'm like, I go, Radine, it was, wasn't it crystal blue outside? I leave the church, I walk outside, and it's totally blue blur bird, crystal blue, clear. Walk back in the gathering, thunder. Kim Clement, how many of you ever heard of Kim Clement? He walks out and he goes, uh, he begins the gathering, he goes, you probably, many of you have heard uh, thunder, and we have had uh, these manifestations uh, in the building here, the uh, thunder presence of God. It was so thick. It was unbelievable thick. And then at the sound sometimes, even on Sunday gatherings, we've had the manifestation presence of God. Noon, if you don't come to prayer here, you just flat out miss it. I'm going to tell you that right now. You just miss it. Wednesday noon, all of a sudden, I'm rushed getting in there, been studying all morning, Walk in there, rush, presence of God hits me. I can't hardly even breathe. I'm wailing so hard. Man, if that's the manifested presence of God. If you haven't ever experienced him, I hope you do. I hope you will fast and seek his face because there's nothing like the manifested presence of God. There's nothing, there's no high like the, the most high. The Zuzu Street Revival, let me read this, was a historic revival meeting that took place in Los Angeles, California. It was led by William Seymour, an African American preacher, the start of the three-year revival began April the 9th, 1906. And if I'm not mistaken, a lot of times he preached and prayed with a bag on his head. And he continued roughly until 1915. On the night of April the 9th, 1906, Seymour and seven men were waiting on God and Bonnie Brace Street, when suddenly, as though hit by a bolt of lightning, they were knocked from their chairs to the floor. Somebody say, manifestation. Ciao, ciao, ciao. I don't believe that stuff. 
It's too late. It's already happened. They were knocked from their chairs to the floor, and the, the other seven men began to speak in tongues and shout loud praises to God. The news quickly spread. The city was stirred. Crowds gathered. And a few days later, Seymour himself received the Holy Spirit. Service was so moved outside. to They were moved outside to accommodate the crowds who uh, came from all around. People fell down under the power of God as they approached. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And sinners receive salvation. To further accommodate the crowds, an old dilapidated two-story frame house at 312 Azuzu Street in an industrial section of the city was secured. The building originally built as an African Methodist uh, Episcopal. Say that with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. A-M-E, yeah. Strange name. Church had more recently been used as a library stable, storage building, and tenement house. In this humble Azuzu Street mission, a continuous three-year, somebody say three-year, three revival occurred and became known around the world. Manifest the presence of God. Stanley H. Frosham, in his book with signs following, quotes an eyewitness description of the scene. This is a quote. The revival was characterized by spiritual experiences accompanied with testimonies of physical healing, miracles, worship services, say that with me, worship services, and speaking in tongues. The participants were uh, criticized by some secular media and Christian theologians for behaviors considered to be outrageous and unorthodox. <laughs> I will be even more undignified than this. Especially at the time. Today, the revival is considered by historians to be the primary catalyst of the spread of Pentecostalism in the 20th century. The truth is, the Bible promises these things and predicts many more like them. Child, don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Good. The American church needs to be way uncomfortable. We're so comfortable. Acts 2, 17 through 19. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people, your sons and your daughters. Come on, your generation. We'll prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. 
and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. I don't know if I believe in prophecy. Well, you better believe. You're missing a lot of the Bible if you don't believe in prophecy. The book is a book of prophecy. Spirit of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Our Bible is bookend by God wanting, desiring, working to bring people into his presence. From Genesis, in the garden, I want you to be in my presence, Adam and Eve, all the way to Revelations at the very end, where nations and kindred spirits and tribes and tongues united all around their throne, face to face, in his presence. God wants you to experience his presence. What ushers in God's presence or an element in all the above occasions that I spoke of while ago, at least an element is this thing called worship. Unadulterated, all in, wholehearted worship. Not singing some songs, but your heart, your spirit connected, your spirit connected with the spirit of the living God, pure, unadulterated worship, not because you know how to raise your hand or look like you're worshiping, but you're actually engaged in worship, ushers in the presence of the almighty God. I need the presence of God. We need the presence of God. You need the presence of God. The Baptists need the presence of God. The Methodists need the presence of God. We all need the presence of God. I'm not looking to do what happened in 1909 or what happened in 1915 or the renewal of 1990. I'm saying, God, what do you want to do now? Here. Heart of the City Church, in our lives, in our nation, among the nations, what do you want to do now? Do it again, God. Last week I spoke out of Joshua 3 about consecration. In three days, get ready, you're going to go to the promised land. Get set aside, clean up. It's like a spiritual... Ah, what's those things, those operations that you get that they check your insides? Yeah, spiritual colonoscopy. <laughs> you, you, I've never had one, praise the Lord. But you drink all that stuff, right? To what? It, it brings movement. Listen, the church needs movement. We need movement. What's it called when you're backed up? What is it? That's what the church has been a lot of times in America. Spiritual constipation. We need the movement. Cleaned out, separated, consecrated. I don't need any emails. I don't care if that offends you. I'm not preaching to offend you or not to offend you. I'm just preaching. Yeah. 
Joshua 1. If you, if you have your Bibles, turn to it, click on it, swipe to it. I don't care what you do. Just get to Joshua 1, 5 through 9. God wants to speak to some of you tonight through these scriptures. I don't know how far I'll get. We'll see. Here we go. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Somebody needs to receive that. You're like, oh, J.O., that's just God talking to Joshua. Well, the Bible is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. There's the rhema, living word of God. If you'll receive it tonight, this word is for you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. That is not an ask. That is a command. That is not like, hey, do you mind being strong and courageous? No, God is commanding you to be strong and courageous. Why would you be strong and courageous? Well, he just told you, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. So you better believe it. You can be strong and you can be courageous because I got your back. I go before you. I go after you. If God be for you, who can be against you? God plus one is the majority. You need to be strong. You need to be courageous. I went to a thing this week that on my way to it, I'm going, I have to be strong and courageous. And I did it. Don't think that just because I preach something, I don't struggle with everything that I preach here. I have to do the same thing that you do. For to this people you shall divide as inheritance of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous in Africa. Strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. That you may prosper wherever you go. How many of you could stand to prosper in your life in every area of your life? Well, I'm going to tell you where it comes from. Get in the Word of God. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it in day and night, and that you may observe, say this with me, to do. See, it's not just about reading and meditating. You read and meditate it on it so you can live accordingly to it, to do according to all that's written for it, in it, for when you will, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Somebody say command. Some of you need to hear that tonight. You've battled with the spirit of fear all your life. He's commanding you, and you can do it because he's with you. 
But your faith bid unto you tonight. You got to grab hold of that. I've grabbed a hold of it. You got to grab a hold of it. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I believe that promise for Joshua is for you. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As I was with Moses. Some of y'all, you, you just need to, you need to go like this. You need to, that's me, that's mine. And some of you just be going to leave like you came. What a shame. What a, what a dang shame. Just leave like you came. Or you can go, oh, own it. That's mine. Like you were with Moses, so you're with me. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. That's a, I will is a covenant. I will, I will, just like I married my wife. I'll live with you. I'll love you. I will, I will, I covenant with you. I will never leave you. My mom and dad, they got killed. My sister, she was killed. People got crazy during COVID and left the church. Conflicts come. People get offended. They lose their mind. Don't like the music. Music's too loud. Music too low. I lost my two dogs. My two favorite dogs. People get lost because drug addiction. She'll leave you. He will leave you. They will leave you. But I will never leave you nor forsake you, thus says the Lord. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. How was he with Moses? <laughs> Exodus 33, 11. This is how he was with Moses. So the Lord spoke to Moses Face to face. As a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua and the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Look at those two men right there. I'm going to show you something they, they both had in relationship. Moses face to face. Joshua would, would not leave from the tabernacle. Why wouldn't he leave from the tabernacle? Who was in the tabernacle? God was in the tabernacle. They both have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. If you want to experience the presence of God, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just getting born again. You can get born again and get your little ticket to heaven. You're saved. He's your Lord. But I'm talking about a personal relationship. I'm talking about getting all personal, face to face, man. All up in the grill, in his presence, in his heart. He know you. You know him. Come on, personal. That's the first thing that I want to share with you tonight. Is a beautiful way for you to have an experience with God's presence is through relationship with him. 
Not through relationship with the church. Not through relationship with your sister. Not through your relationship with your pastor, uncle in Wyoming. Not with, a, with, with relationship. Not, none of those things. But a personal relationship with God. An audience, face-to-face, one-on-one. Here I am. There you are. Here we are. One-on-one. Audience of one. Personal. Keep it personal. Come on, tell your neighbor right there. Personal. Let me take you into a beginning of a personal relationship with someone and how they worship God. You think worship has to look just like we do here tonight, which is beautiful. But worship comes in all kinds of shapes, sizes, and places. Turn with me to Luke 7, 37 through 39. I'm going to show you a personal relationship beginning and some worship worship and behold a woman in the city who was a sinner (laughs) not a saint not a disciple not an apostle but a sinner. I like that. That means that there's hope for me. When she knew that Jesus, not the apostle Paul or the apostle Peter or any of those things, when she knew Jesus, sat at the table of the Pharisee's house. She brought in an alabaster flask of oil. J.O., I've heard this story before. Don't check out on me right now. I've heard it probably more than you. But the Word of God is alive. He wants to speak to you tonight. This woman is beginning a relationship. You're going to see some worship right here, yo. And stood at his feet behind him, weeping. (laughs) Why would she weep? Because she's in the presence. She's in that. That's how I react. Some people laugh. Some people just freeze. Some people just get quiet. I cry. She was weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears. That's a little unorthodox. Somebody better call the theologian. I don't know about that church. Tears, crocodile tears, on his dirty feet. And wiped them with her hair of her head. That's her glory. Changing her glory for his glory. getting all nasty up in here. Dirty feet, hair, glory, presence. A good nasty. And then, let's take it another level. And she kissed his feet 
Are we going to have every religious spirit in the world just going crazy up in here? If this was really happening right now, because it happened, and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, and he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. You know, she didn't care. <laughs> she came for the audience of one. You want some worship right here? That's some worship right there. And then the Bible says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped her with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman's not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which were many, are forgiven, for she loved much. That's some crazy love right there. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then she said, then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Whew. That's, some, that's, some, that's, that's some personal stuff right there. That's some worship right there. If you think all worship is on Sunday, I got news for you. If all you do is worship on Sunday, I got news. There ain't no place in the Bible that says that Sunday worship. Worship is every day. Which leads me to number two. I'm about done. Experience the presence of God through a life of worship. Experiencing presence of God through a life of worship. I'm glad that you come on the weekend and worship. But it better not be the only day you worship. Experience the life the presence of God through a life of worship. Let me have to ask you this. At the end of the day, what can you give God? Can you give him your food? He don't need your food. Give him a little land. It's already his. Give him some animal. It's his. Give him your money. He owns it. Give him your life. That's good, but he made you. What moves God, what brings God in, what opens heaven, what you can actually give God is your worship. The woman with the alabaster, that was worship. A beautiful form of worship and praise we see through God's word is what we call musical worship. Hers may have never had drums and electric guitars behind it, but she was worshiping. Now here, it's okay to have musical worship. It's okay to clap. You'll see people clap and dance, and we play drums loud and guitar and prophesy on the guitar and, and dance. Do we do all of that? And that's all good, and that's all Bible. Let me echo a scripture to you right now, Psalms 22, 3. Because if you're new and you're not used to worship, you came to a church that worships. Don't always stay in the back where you can be comfortable and try to hide. Come on out and worship with me. Let me, let me repeat this. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel, enthroned, set down. Worship is not, listen to me real good, it's not about your personality. It's not about your Enneagram number. I don't care if you're a three, a seven, a six, 
a one, a nine, or a two. It's not about if you're cool or if you're a nerd. It doesn't matter if you're a cowboy, if you're a welder, if you're a business owner, a dentist, a doctor, a single mom, a single dad. I don't care if you're cute. I don't care if you're loud. I don't care if you're shy, reserved, introvert, extrovert. Worship is not about you. I don't care if we ever play. I don't care if we ever play your favorite song. It's not about you. Worship is not about if you're a Baptist, if you're Pentecostal, if you're Methodist or Nazarene. I don't care if you're black, if you're white, if you're Asian, South American, Brazilian, praise God, you guys know how to worship, but I don't care. You wanna know who and what kind of worship God is looking for and is ready for? I'm gonna tell you right now. Here we go, you ready? Let everything that has breath, let everything that has, come on, go with me somebody. Let everything that has breath, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Worship is not if you're cool or if you're macho. I wasn't raised that way, J.O. It doesn't matter. You're called to worship. You need to throw down your crown and worship. I don't got no crown, J.O. You got a crown. You got to throw down your real estate crown. Throw down your business crown. Throw down your macho crown. Throw down your women lip crown. Throw down your rich crown. Throw down your poor. I'll throw my pastor's crown down. Throw down whatever crown, whatever your identity, my confused identity, throw it down. Whatever your crown is today, throw it down and worship him. I'm not going to read the verses tonight, but I'm going to give you five marks of the presence of God. Five marks of the presence of God. You can throw the verses up, you guys in the back, but I'm not going to read them. They can see them. The number one mark of the presence of God is peace on your life. Somebody say peace. Number two, fullness of joy. Read the scripture. Number three, protection in his presence. These are all marks of the presence of God. Number four, the blessing of prosperity. Just read the scripture. You, you guys are prosperity gospel church. Don't even ask me that. Don't even ask me that. People ask me that. I go, if you get saved, your life better get better. Or you better get saved again. Number five, the blessing of rest. All these are marks of the presence of God. If you need those scriptures, you should look them up. They're powerful. Come to me, all who labor and I heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Just the promises of God, I will give you rest. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. How many of you are going to own that tonight? Three or four of you, praise God. 
the three or four of you, your life will be changed. Because I know wherever I go, God is with me. The Abrahamic covenant, wherever I put my feet, because of the blessing of God, because of the presence of the Almighty God, He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So what I want to do just for a couple minutes, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. You ready for this? Go ahead and throw your crown down. What's your crown? What's your crown? Name it. Name it. Name it. What's your, what's your crazy crown? Throw that thing down. Throw it down. Your identity. Throw it down. Oh, I'm a CEO. I don't care what you is. Throw it down. And let's take a moment and really worship.